Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're making a little bit of an alteration to our schedule this week. Sorry, we didn't tell you. This is a Wednesday morning. Um, this is going to come out Thursday morning. If you came on Friday, you're unexpectedly a day late. Sorry. Um, that's because um, Bontemps and I have some travel to All-Star Weekend uh, going on. Um, but that is uh, joining us from Boston, where he flew in from Philadelphia this morning. And I assume is going to Cleveland tomorrow is Tim Bontemps. That is correct. Hello, fellas. Well, he went down to see James Harden's press conference, but um, not James Harden's first game because he'll get to it eventually. Don't worry. Everybody relax. He'll get nice to it eventually. Nice of him to let Harden borrow one of his outfits. <laughs> <laughs> that, of course, is Ben McMahon, who Howdy might partners. be banned from. Uh, commenting on fashion after that remark how dare Listen, you comment I, uh, on fashion? i wish i could say i was taking advantage of this all-star break to go on some like luxurious vacation but uh i'll just be chilling at the house fellas got a 13 year old right. birthday party coming up this weekend though that'd, there that'd you be go there's that those are uh your peers the 13 year olds <laughs> <laughs> uh so this is a big day because we have big day. the next edition mm of the Bontemps poll, the straw MVP poll. Bontemps, this is a little bit off your schedule um, because the MVP race has changed so much. Um, do you have or do you remember the results of the poll? Your first straw poll came out. Of course, of course I have the results. Of course <laughs> I do. Of the course. second week of December, your uh, first there's, straw poll. There's one out. of us on this pod who comes prepared. That is that is correct. Uh, yeah. So in the first in the first straw poll that we did this year, uh, you did you did it? Well, the proverbial we. Uh, Steph Curry Wait, was the royal we. You doofus. Well, you're a royal pain in something. If, if you put on a crown, though, I suggest a veil with it to cover that ugly mug. There, there let's you go. go. There you go. Uh, I'm going to be a little slow on the uptake on my responses today, given I'm on about an hour and a half of sleep. Uh, so in the first edition of the straw poll this year, Steph Curry was the overwhelming leader. He had uh, 94 of the first place votes. He was by far the most unanimous selection in the history of the poll. And we have transitioned from that to what at this point is the single closest vote I've had in the now, I believe, 10 versions of the poll that I've oh, done that, so far. That's crazy because I remember one anti-Jokic lobbyist who was whining and crying about the MVP vote being over before it Christmas. Was, it was all over. No, nobody had a chance. Embiid was going to get shut out again. <laughs> and uh, it, tur- it turns out that Joel Embiid is, in fact, leading the, the second edition of the straw poll this year. Should be going However, for the second MVP. Well, we'll see if he wins his first. Really, who'd you vote for last year? Pick a side. I voted for Jokic. Okay, you're going to get splinters you up your crevices if you keep riding that fence. It's, he, he likes he likes to try to be funny and make bad takes. Uh, Joel, he's, so Joel, one for two. This is the, we're having a very slow roll out of the poll. So <laughs> Joel Embiid had the most votes. He was the only player to be on every ballot. I want to stop ballots. you. Hundred ballots. Likely MVP voters. Yeah, we should, I should. I should. I should remind everyone for those who who don't know or haven't listened. So, uh, yeah, I try to replicate the actual balloting process as closely as possible. It's obviously not the exact same hundred people that vote, um, and it's obviously not the end of the season. But I get a couple of people from all thirty markets 
I get some international people. It's as close an approximation as you can get to what the actual balloting is going to look like at the end of the season. And so Joel Embiid was the only player to be on every ballot. He was in first place. He had 789 total points. However, Nikola Jokic had more first place votes, 45 to 43. And he was only 35 points behind, which is the equivalent of five second place votes. Because in the NBA scoring system, you get 10 points for first place, seven points for second place, five for third, three for fourth, and one for fifth. And the reason that matters is because Nikola Jokic was left off of five ballots. Can I have a quick correction? Uh, According to the email you sent us, Embiid had 45 first place votes. Jokic had 43. That's also what you told me yesterday. Well, it is what I told you yesterday. (laughs) I said it backwards. Good job by me. I was was riding the fence, and I ended up on the Embiid side. I considered changing my vote. To, to uh, even it up, it, to make it tied up, but that would be that would be tampering with the that scientific would, process. Would, so we opted right. against that. Thank you for thank you for correcting me. I will again apologize to the listeners for being on ninety minutes of sleep. Uh, but the the point is, those five people that left Jokic off the ballot, like generally, this should be fired. Considered. Should be fired. Well, we'll set that part aside. The the two of them and Yasenikupo, who was a clear third place finisher in the poll, were pretty much unanimous across the the wide consensus of people top three people so if Nicole Jokic gets on to five more ballots by the end of the season which you would think he would I would expect Mm. both those guys to be on every ballot at the end of the season this is pretty much a statistical dead heat with 25 games to go in the season and I think it sets up for what's going to be a pretty fascinating final couple of months with both of these guys on teams that are in the middle of the playoff standings not teams that are likely to race out to winning the conference, which is sort of one of the benchmarks that you see mm-hmm. for how this award is going to be decided. And I think like last year, it's going to be a pretty uh, hotly contested vote right down to the final day of the season. Let me say a couple of things. First off, you know, it's often said, especially by Michael Malone, that he doesn't think Jokic um, gets respect. And one of the things I've always said is once you've won the MVP, you can't complain about not getting respect. <laughs> But I will say this, this 5% is what the Nuggets are angry about. This yeah. 5% of the voters who don't have Jokic um, listed there. Probably um, people who live in Nebraska and can't even see him on the pass. <laughs> I'm, fa- I'm, fairly cons- I'm fairly confident that the only Nebraska voter you're speaking to, I had him second on my ballot. I want to see that ballot. Um, I can confirm Brian. Uh, Brian had him second on his ballot. I, I, don't, I don't believe you either. <laughs> um, uh, the second thing is just uh, the Curry, who was just heavy, overwhelming leader, mm-hmm. uh, like Bontemps had never seen before in December. And granted, it's December, but if but it's not like he's missed twenty five games. Well, um, I'll I'll stop you there because when we had this pod back in November in December after the after the first poll came out. What did we say? We said Steph had a historic lead and it would take a series of things happening in sequence for that to change. Right. So what's happened since then? Golden State has come back to the pack. The Suns have rocketed ahead of them into first place in the conference. There goes one of the checks that Steph would add. Draymond Green gets hurt. Right. So Golden State's offense falls off a bit and their team falls off a bit. And on top of that, Steph had probably the worst shooting month of his career in the month of January. Right. So you put all those things together and Steph goes from a historic lead in December to being in 
a solid fourth place and really completely out of the mix in mid-February. And well, now, he was... now Draymond's up for MVT, most valuable teammate. <laughs> <laughs> well, that word, that word exists. Um, so team of the year, I believe it's called. Um, so yep. we talked about in December that as good of a year as Curry was having, he was actually operating below his numbers from last year. Right. Uh, although remember early in the season, everybody's shooting seemed to be down. Yeah. Well, now he's way below. He's, he's having one of the worst seasons, shooting seasons of his career. And he yeah. has had a huge February, and I suspect those numbers are going to come back up. But it's coming right. off a month of January where he shot around 30% from three and had a bunch of bad games. Well, right. well, and the only guy within even shouting distance of him in that poll was, was KD. And obviously things have gone haywire in Brooklyn. That's right. You know, with him getting hurt, That's them right. losing a ton of games. When, but, you know, there's, he, he's missed – not to offend Wendy's sensibilities, but Durant's clearly missed too much time to be an MVP candidate. And the I crazy agree. thing is Joel Embiid had one vote in the first poll, had one fifth place vote, and now isn't first. And, and it's interesting that the two top candidates are fifth in the East, sixth in the, in the West. And correct me if I'm wrong, but Russ is the only MVP winner who has been a bottom half of the playoff pack uh, seed. Uh, that at is, least in, that is not today's trivia question, but I do believe that is correct. Certainly yeah, in recent so, memory, you have to have mm-hmm. you have to be on a very good team to be in contention. So, but, yeah. Yeah. Between 2000. Uh, what year did Westbrook win? it? I think he won 2017 was 17. the first year of the poll. OK, so Westbrook won it in 17, a year, the year after Durant uh, left for yeah. Golden State. Between, I believe, like 82 or 83, Moses Malone won it twice in there. Between then and 2017, there hadn't been an MVP on a team that hadn't won 50 games. Yeah. Um, now, we've had some since then because we haven't had full seasons. So there's our asterisk. Right, right. Uh, but, um, yes, typically it comes from one of the top three or four teams in the league. And, and, and that, look, Russ was unique circumstances because, like you said, Katie left. So he's missing his co-superstar. Uh, Embiid, obviously, unique circumstances with Ben Simmons uh, – you know, sitting out the season um, and Jokic unique circumstances with Jamal Murray out the whole season to this point, And then they lose Michael Porter Jr. Um, I did check out the basketball reference NBA MVP award tracker, which they've come up with a formula based on previous yep. results. They've got Jokic is the pretty clear favorite uh, about a 35% probability. Giannis was second, 27%. Now these votes were due before Giannis went, for 50 points. That's right. Went double double on 80 something percent shooting. That's right. Uh, they had Embiid third at a little over 10% and Chris Paul right on his heels at fourth at, uh, at, at a little over 10%. Yeah. Uh, by the way, their number five guy didn't get any, any votes in, in your poll. That was Rudy Gobert. Yeah. I mean, look, Rudy, I think if Rudy had been healthy, uh, given how much his, his injuries have impacted the jazz, I think he might've had a chance to get in the mix. Um, but Rudy's just, never going to win a popularity contest. No, well, that's also true, but he would at least had some votes to run through the rest of the poll since we didn't actually go through it. So it was Embiid, Jokic, Giannis at third, Steph Curry. Giannis fourth. said nine, just to jump in, Giannis had nine first place votes. Giannis had nine first place votes. Steph Curry had one first place vote and was fourth. Chris Paul had two and was fifth. And then the other guys to receive votes, John Morant and DeMar DeRozan were sixth and seventh, pretty close behind Chris Paul 
Those here seven comes guys. Ja Morant. Here comes Ja Morant. He didn't but they, have any votes. But he sat out last yet. night and they won again. Tyus, right. Tyus Stones, as they call him, the best backup <laughs> point guard in the league. He had, he had a great game at 27-9 last night against the Pelicans. Um, John DeRozan, those seven guys were the only ones who got better than a fifth-place vote. They were pretty clearly the top seven guys. Uh, Kevin Durant got a handful of votes. Luca got a couple. And Devin Booker and Jimmy Butler each got one to round out the voting, but it was primarily seven guys for five spots. And it was primarily three guys for the top three spots. And I think to Tim's point about the standings, Chris Paul, I think from a narrative standpoint has the case that you would typically have in the past, right? Guy who's maybe considered the best player on the best team. Well, he's got the, he's got the Steve Nash case for sure. Yes. But his stats, I think, ultimately just aren't good enough. And the Suns are enough of an ensemble cast that I think it's going to be hard for him to really generate enough support, I think, to win that award. Unless, I mean, if the Suns go like 68 and 14, maybe by the end of the year he can do it. Well, but I and, think and it's going to be argument, hard. The argument for Chris Paul is best record, <laughs> like the absolute most dominant clutch player in the league by yep. far. You know, leadership, you look at what the Suns were before him, what they've been since him. I didn't put him on my ballot. I did certainly consider him. I ended up going John Moran at fifth. But, you know, there's a case. I just don't think it's enough of a case to get up with Embiid and Jokic and and Giannis. So I think that the fact that you have the best, the team with the best record in the league not having a clear candidate, I think to your point about this being an odd year in the standings, I think that impacts things a little bit. And then if you just look at how the standings of both conferences are, a lot of these teams, like you said, have had injuries. The Sixers haven't had Ben Simmons. The Nuggets haven't had those guys. Milwaukee's had guys in and out of the lineup. Miami doesn't have a clear candidate. They're first in the in the East. Mm-hmm. You know, Chicago, I think DeMar DeRozan might have had a stronger case for as great as he's played. But with all the injuries the Bulls have had, they've been they've not been able to really get the separation that I think he they was might on my have. Ball- he was on my ballot. Well, no, I mean, but I mean to be at the top of it. Like he got on yeah. a lot of ballots, but like, if the Bulls had stayed right. healthy and stayed on the same pace they were at and say they were maybe five or six games up on the rest of the conference, which they had a chance to do without these injuries, and DeMar was playing the way he's playing, which is absolutely out of control. He's scoring like 40 points a night on crazy efficiency every game. He's playing great. By the way, um, Nikola, Nikola Vucevic, who like we kind of called out on this pod when Caruso and Ball went down and said, hey, time to start stepping up. He has stepped up. He's been awesome for the last three weeks. Awesome. Yep. No, he's been great. So, you know, the fact that the Bulls have stayed in the mix, it's allowed DeMar to st- to get keep getting some votes. I just think it's kept him from breaking into that top three. And also, frankly, Embiid, Jokic, and Giannis are having truly insane statistical seasons. Yeah. And I just think it's, it's going to be very difficult to yeah. break into that category no let's, matter how well you're playing. Let's talk about Embiid for a minute. So he, uh, Kirk Goldsberry pointed this out. He is leading the league in scoring right now. No, he's not. No, he's oh, not. Did he, did Giannis he overtook him last night. Giannis by over- 50. Yes, uh, 29.4 for Giannis, 29.3 for Embiid. But well done. Well done. Yeah. Well, he was leading the league in scoring. Once again, Windhorse, <laughs> ill prepared for the pod. Uh, okay, fair. Win, um, Windhorse anti Euro smear campaign <laughs> continues. Never based in fact either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, none of the, none of the top three are Americans. So I don't know what anti you're talking about. So, um, but let's say he wins the – there hasn't been a center win the uh, scoring uh, title since Shaq mm-hmm. uh, 22 years ago. Yep. Um, so the fact that Embiid is up there is remarkable. Now, 
I don't think he's going to win it because when James Harden comes in and beads usage, I expect will See, come I'll, down. I'm going to disagree. I'm going to disagree with that. I'm going to okay. disagree with that. I don't think that's the reason why Embiid might not win. I think I was looking no, at this. I mean, yes- not the scoring title is what I mean. Oh, you mean the scoring title? I think you mean yes. MVP. I'm sorry. No, but I, well, what I was saying is I think if Harden comes in and, and, the, and the Sixers elevate as a team, that will improve Embiid's even further strength. So I think Embiid, it's easy to say you're picking the leader, but I think Embiid's upward mobility because of Harden's arrival – course he has to stay healthy um i think not only is he in the lead but he's got the best upward mobility how, how much do you think the scoring title matters to Embiid? two guys drove to work neither guy wore a seatbelt. one guy got a ticket one guy didn't the same two guys drove home one guy wore a seatbelt. one guy didn't One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. What do you think, Bontem? If it matters a lot, I think he's, you know. I suspect I, it I suspect it matters to the big fella. I do I do too. I suspect I, it matters. I think they might try to find a way to, you know make sure he has opportunities to the, the big fellow is going to continue to get, get his position. touches and he's going to continue to eat. I think that's safe to, I think that's safe to say uh, in the Sixers offense, even with James Harden there, he's going to make sure he gets the ball. Now, what I thought you were going to say was I thought James Harden coming in might hurt his chances to win MVP. I think, no. I think Joel is in strong shape from a narrative perspective because the race was close last year. And if it's a dead heat again, I think people will tend to probably go towards Embiid to even things out. I would think if you're going, if you're going, I'm not saying it's going to like overwhelmingly be in the back, be in people's minds, but I, I do think given how close it was last year and how close it is this year, I think that will tip in Embiid's favor a little bit. I think the fact that Embiid carried the Sixers the way he did through all the Ben Simmons stuff. I know the Nuggets have had a ton of injuries, but that's as someone who covered that Simmons stuff. That was a wild story that had the chance to derail that team. And the way Embiid played, he carried them through it. I think that's going to help him a lot. And like you said, Brian, they have a chance to really get on a run here with Harden coming in. And if they win a bunch of games, that's only going to strengthen his candidacy. But I think the thing that could derail him, and I think it really will end up making or breaking whether he wins it or not, assuming health for everybody, not to get into the argument we had last year, is I want to read off their schedule, the Sixers schedule in March. They play the Knicks at home. And then they play the following games home for Cleveland at Miami on a back-to-back home for Chicago home for Brooklyn, which by the way, will be a crazy game. If Ben Simmons <laughs> plays, like he says, I hope he does yesterday uh, at Orlando, which is a gimme then home for Denver at Cleveland home for Dallas home for Toronto home for Miami Lakers Clippers on the road, then Suns on the road and bucks at home. That is a crazy month of March. And if they go five and nine, 
or so in that. So I don't know how many games exactly that is, but if they if they lose a bunch of those games, especially because a lot of them are on national TV, and if they struggle with Harden, I think that could really impact Joel's candidacy. On the other hand, if they go nine and five and he has a bunch of huge games in these high profile matchups on national TV, it might be the thing that pushes him over the line. So I think that that month of March schedule with all those marquee games and all those big time opponents. I think that's probably going to determine this one way or the other, because either are going to play great, they're going to win, or they're going to, you know, have issues with Harden, lose some games, and it's going to hurt his candidacy a little bit. Yeah, and, and the number one number that Jokic has in his favor, obviously the guy has a nightly triple-double threat. You know, his his counting numbers are ridiculous. The on-off numbers. Oh, they're insane. I mean, they are plus 10 and change with Jokic on the floor, minus 10 and change with him off the floor. Basically, they are right up there with the best teams in the league with him on the floor, the worst with him off the floor. So about a a, a 20-plus point difference. Uh, Giannis is about a 13-point difference. Embiid's about a 10-point difference. So, I mean, that is certainly one way to, you know, a very simple way to to measure value. And that is, uh, again, I I think when you look at just stats, that is the most convincing stat in the MVP debate right now. Well, I remember when Bontemps came out with his second poll last season, it was a little bit later. He, he went a little earlier because he sensed the shifting sands, I think. Is that right, Bontemps? Uh, well, last year, everything was kind of funky. So we did one. We did one in around this same time, but it was earlier in the season. And then we did another one in mid-April with about a month ago. So those were the two polls we did. But at that time, Jokic was in third, if I believe. In the in the in the midseason poll last year, to give people to to give people a reminder, in the midseason poll last year, LeBron had 760 points and Bede had 665 and Jokic had 596 and they had 53, 23 and 18 first place votes. This year's vote is. Joel has 789 and 45 first place votes. Jokic has 754 and 43 first place votes. And Giannis has 512 and nine first place votes. Okay. So Giannis is a little bit behind where Jokic was. A little I'm bit, just... but not, but not too much. I, if the Bucks go on a big run, he, he has a shot to get in the mix. You made that point yesterday when I told you the votes. And I, I think it's true. Yeah. Like he has the ability. And like Tim said, he's leading the league in scoring. He's playing awesome. If they go on a big run down the stretch here, He's got a chance to get in the mix too. No yeah, question. Yeah. If he sprinkles in a few more 50 point double doubles with 80% shooting, he'll have a chance. And they're and they're due. The Bucs have kind of been in cruise control. They're due to take off here. And if they do take off and go, you know, 18 and four or something, like that's the kind of thing that could really shift this thing when you have all these teams with similar records and everybody's especially, kind of bunched up. Especially if Embiid is taking some losses. You right. Know? So um, I mean, I think it's uh too close to call, uh, certainly. And I don't know how it's going to go. I do think Embiid has the most upward mobility because of the, you know, the ejection of Harden. But we and know- I do think he's I do think he's got the like, I do think he's got the narrative push in his favor, too, on a few fronts. Like, I, yeah. I think he's got a big personality. People people have noticed what he's done this year. He's had to, he's been in the spotlight all year because of the the Simmons stuff, you know, for like Tim said, for, and as you mentioned earlier, for as well as Jokic has played, he's been unbelievable for Denver. Denver is already off the radar to begin with. And without Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., they've been really off the radar, right? Yeah. So, yo, Embiid, on the other hand, has been front and center 
every day for That's six true. months, That's which true. helps him a lot. Now, I want to talk about how often in the future are we going to be talking about where John ja Morant is on this list? Because John ja Morant entered it for the first time here. That's correct. And, and um, he's in year three. Uh, the last time, you know, he gets compared to Derrick Rose so often. Um, this is, you know, Derrick Rose won the MVP in his third year. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Jaw's not going to win it. I shouldn't say obviously, probably Jaw's not going to win it this year. But um, just seeing him on this list, by the way, Von Temps, for the second consecutive straw poll, LeBron, no votes. No votes. No and votes. I thought he might get some with the way he's playing, but I think the Lakers have been so bad. Babe. Yeah, I think you've got to bump above the uh, play-in scenario to, yeah. to be able to get. Yeah, well, he's, but he's, I mean, he's I thought to be clear, I thought he might get a couple of fifth place votes. I didn't. I wasn't thinking he'd be third, but well, I know, thought he might I, get in the mix a little bit. When I came down to fifth place, you know, I put I put Chris Paul, Chris Paul in fourth, so Curry didn't make my ballot. Um, and I was looking at fifth place, and obviously I had Curry, I had. LeBron, I could have considered he's playing a great, he has missed 17 games and I had DeRozan and I picked DeRozan just because I just think he's been a killer, especially late in games. Um, you know, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm rewarding Chris Paul in fourth for his clutch play, I should have rewarded DeMar DeRozan for his clutch play. Yeah. Um, but to be honest with you, I didn't consider Morant there and I'm, I'm, Maybe I made a mistake that I didn't consider him. And so well, there's seven, there's, there's at minimum seven worthy candidates for five spots. I know, so. but I'm saying like, like jaw drives down the court. Here he comes. Yeah. And um, he's going to be a fixture going forward. I think it's safe well, to say with the and, way that team is set up and the way his, with his style of play, like he's, he's going to be in this mix for a long time. And I, and I put him fifth in my ballot, but you know, it wasn't like it could. I could have gone with with a few other guys for sure. And look, the the, the biggest argument against Jaw is that the Grizzlies are, have been so good when he hasn't played. And again, that's not. It shouldn't be taken as a criticism of, of Jaw Morant by any stretch. It's just a, a testament to their depth. You know, to Tyus Jones being such a solid backup point guard, so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, but you know, Jaw he'll end up he'll end up in the also considered mix. He'll be somewhere between five and eight in MVP voting. And then I think he's going to have a very uh, serious chance of being a first team, all NBA player, which at age what 22 or whatever is. I think, I think he's, I bet he's going to be a lot for that. You should bring up the point you brought up to me yesterday about your guy in your hometown there, McMahon too. Well, Luca, look, um, if Luca had played all season, the way he has the last month, he definitely would be, He'd have more than two fifth place votes. He'd have more than two fifth place votes for sure. But he didn't. He he got off to a slow start by his standards. You can tell me what his numbers were, but if you watch the games, you know he was stinking it up by his standards. Missed a bunch of time, got in better shape, and then he's looked like an MVP candidate since then. But uh, you know that's coming coming to camp in shape next year, and he's going to be right in the mix again. He he's been very self deprecating. Is he always this self-deprecating? I don't he he seems to be loosening up. He seems to be loosening up a little bit. Um, and he's always like, he's always had that personality with his teammates, but he's just with the media. I've always said he treats the media like, you know, most kids his age treat math homework. They'll do the bare minimum and, and not enjoy it at all. Uh, the math, he's he's aging out of the, of the math homework comparison, but he's loosened up a little bit. The other night I asked him, this was after he went for 51 and, and 45 
uh, in, in two straight games against the Clippers. The Mavs split those games, you know, fresh off the KP trade. Luca's minutes are up in the high 30s, low 40s on a regular basis. Obviously, he's carrying an insane load offensively. And I said, hey, you know, can you keep this up? Is, is it sustainable? He said, yeah, for sure. Helps me get in better shape too. More cardio. <laughs> he also, I don't know if you guys saw the uh, little beef that he had with Terrence Mann, which is, you know, that there's some history going there. on for a while. Yeah. Going back in the playoffs and they're, they're both Bill Duffy clients, but they're not buddies. Um, and, and so, you know, I asked him about that and he basically said, I, you know, I don't agree with this double technical thing. When a guy's chirping at you, uh, all game, you know, all game long, you know, the first thing you say back is a double technical. I don't agree. And he said, you know, if, if somebody's chirping at you all night, you'd probably say something back too. And I said, yeah, I, I, I tend to start the chirping and he goes, me too. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah, sometimes, well, they're, I was they're bonding. Bonds sometimes, have, sometimes they're for both of us, three, three, years, Listen, this four years in They're bonding two miserable people two. to deal with on a daily no, no. basis. No there, there's no there's, there's only, so well. only two things I have in common with Luke. Okay. The tendency <laughs> to report to camp out of shape. And, uh, the fact that we tend to start the chirping. Yeah, that's so <laughs> we can bond over those two things. And those that two checks, things that checks. <laughs> Uh, I have so many things I could say that I think that you two, uh, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to. Um, Perhaps right, well, the reason for reporting out of shape are also similar, <laughs> if that's what you're getting at. <laughs> yeah, well. And confirm you know, that. Too. I, I'm going to hold my tongue. I'm going to hold my tongue. Um, really? Because so, usually you, you don't hesitate to take shots at the Euros. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Um, so. The Bontemps poll, latest issue of the Bontemps poll, one of the more interesting ones we've had. And uh, I would Sets say... Sets up what should be a really fun couple months. Yeah. It's going to be a really interesting race. Got interesting races in both conferences and interesting races for the MVP. It's going to be now a lot of fun. Let me ask you this. You typically do two of these a year. You're a little bit out of your normal rhythm. Plans, you... The plan's to do a third one. I did it now because I, I, I wanted to do it a little earlier, but scheduling-wise, couldn't get it done. And I, I want to do one in late March to see where things sit. Hopefully we'll be able okay. to do one. We'll see if it I, happens, but I hear Buntim's got paid overtime for this one. <laughs> uh, story. His contract only called for two. He, he's delivery. He's going to deliver three. Um, well, before we go, I think I need to address something else that's in your uh, mm-hmm. zone there. Buntim's um, the Boston Celtics. I thought you were going to do the, the trivia question there. Oh, oh, let's pause for the trivia question. I'm glad somebody oh. is earning that CarMax sponsorship deal. Well, somebody has to, somebody actually Wind, has to do it. Wendy back in the trunk, back in the trunk. We're <laughs> locking them in. <laughs> the trivia question is brought to you by CarMax on lot, on the lot or online CarMax. Wow. Just, uh, just this guy. <laughs> CarMax should just call me directly. Carmax, uh, much more reliable than Brian Wendy Winters. That's right. All right. Here, so here's the trivia question. Uh, McMahon brought up the point about teams always being at the uh, players on really good teams, typically winning MVP. Uh, there's one time a player has missed the playoffs and won the MVP in the NBA. One time. Do we know? A player has it, missed the playoffs. Wow. It, it, also, it also was the year of the closest MVP vote. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket 
with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Wow. I'm, in terms I'm of a, in terms of share of the it, vote. It, it, it wasn't like in like the 60s, was it? It wasn't in the 60s. Were any of us alive at the time? Uh I was born in 78. No. Okay. So this is this is early 70s, then I'm going to assume. Early 70s. It's in the 70s. Yes. Are you going to read through? Are you looking through all the MEP? Well, hold on. I'm trying to find it. Hold on. I mean, with all due respect, I mean, if you asked me who won the 70s, I would have said Kareem Abdul-Jabbar won a bunch of them. And, that, that's and all that say. is the correct answer. Oh, wow. That's only because uh, he won like four or five of them. In well, the I didn't. I wasn't trying to like completely trick you. So Kareem in 1976 was, on, I believe it was the first year he was on the Lakers. I'm not mm-hmm. 100% positive on that. Uh, missed the playoffs. One MVP had 44% of the vote. Do you guys want to take a guess at who had 42% of the vote and came in second? Man, this is months before I was born. Played for played for the Buffalo Braves. Oh, oh Bob McAdoo. Bob McAdoo. That is that is correct. Bob McAdoo, correct. Who, I, who I covered for a while as the uh, assistant coach of the Miami Heat. He's now has another job in the organization. McAdoo would have shooting contests after practices with some heat players. And I mean, obviously I'm sure they all knew he was a hall of famer, but you know, he was in his late fifties, early sixties at that point, I think. And McAdoo wouldn't jump or if he Mm -hmm. jumped, he would jump, you know, one inch. And this dude would like, you know, he wasn't doing any of this Steph Curry stuff, go out to 35 feet. He would just be like, okay, I'll take 18 footers and I will make, 65 of them in a row at age 50, whatever, 60, whatever. He would just bam, 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 bam. He wouldn't say anything. He would just, just kill these guys. Cause they, I mean, and just his precision was amazing. Yep. Uh, even at that age, um, I had to get a Buffalo Braves mention in, but there's uh there's this week's trivia question props to uh, Matt Williams again for the, uh, the assist with that. boy, did I just get flat lucky? I just, it was just a flat wild guess. Um, all right, your neck of the woods, Bontemps, there in Boston. The Celtics yep. won their ninth consecutive game on Tuesday night. Um, they beat the 76ers by 50 points or something like that. Uh, hard 40, 47, one. I think, in the end. It was 135 to 87. Harden, 48. who, who earlier in the day, Harden said his hamstring. Well, well, you were there. He said, what about his hamstring? Said he was feeling good. He's going to keep 
rehabbing it and be ready to go full bore after the all-star break. Well, the Sixers did not do whatever it takes to win. So I know Harden wants to be around those kind of guys. (laughs) Uh, Chris Paul did later in the night. He did whatever it takes to win. I don't know if Harden (laughs) would like to ever play with him. Um, Back to Boston. Maybe the Sixers could trade for him this summer. (laughs) Um, I'm sure he'd love to be reunited reunited with Daryl Morey. That's right. (laughs) Um, so, uh, I just, I don't, I don't understand why Harden has, is not playing. If he says, oh, I don't understand why he had like the shoulders out to here and then like the separate sleeves and, but I I, go on. Yeah. Well, I I don't, and he's not going to all-star weekend where he's being honored as a top 75 all-time player. Well, I can explain that you, you want a vacation in Cleveland? Trust me, James Harden no, knows I'm how not. to vacation, and it ain't in Cleveland. <laughs> I believe Joe Kim Noah, Joe Kim Noah uh, made that clear uh, about vacation. Hey, listen, I'm going to Cleveland in a couple of hours. I'm from there. Uh, the weather is supposed to be good for Cleveland in February this time. I, it's still not something that let's anybody have it, should Let's have it stay that way. I just knocked on the, on the desk to try to have it stay decent <laughs> right. weather. When you go but, back to Cleveland, like how many people greet you at the airport? Is it in the thousands? Uh, I don't know the, dozen, the dozens, at least the dozens <laughs> that airport's not uh, that busy uh, these days. Um, so anyway, I just I thought we were talking about the Celtics. I know. I'm just saying, I think it's kind of ridiculous. But there's a Harden, separate airport for your private jet <laughs> that that uh, the private jet. There'll be a lot of I'll tell you what you want to see some private jets about uh, 45 minutes after the game ends on Sunday. Uh, they're all going to be headed south. <laughs> they're going to be going. Those guys are going to be sprinting to those south, south to and up. west. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, I just I think it's ridiculous, and, and nobody's batting an eye. I mean, as far as I know, uh, I mean, listen, just blowing it off. Nobody bats an eye. Like it's about the nineteenth most egregious blow off by James Harden in the last fourteen months. So, and, like, which is it, why he keeps doing because he because nobody seems to care. Whatever, do whatever he wants. But okay. Um, Boston with James Harden on the sidelines, uh, eviscerated another opponent nine in a row. I have talked during this podcast, about how Boston was one of the most frustrating teams for me to watch Mm -hmm. because I hated the way they played offense all year. I hated watching Tatum take contested shots that he would miss most of the time. But then Bontemps in this last, uh, because the winning streak is nine, but really it's like what, maybe 12 out of 13 overall. The Celtics have won. 11 of their last 12 games over those 12 games, they have outscored their opponents by 253 points. That's a lot. And they have had a couple of obviously very hot shooting games in there. And it's been a bit of a progression to the mean, which, which their people, which I think you described that the the organization. And I think maybe Pelton talked about this, that the, the stat model said, there's no way they should be shooting this poorly and they have improved, but but what's happened is defensively, they have this last 12 games, they have played the best 12 game stretch of defense that any team has played in the NBA this year. And arguably, I haven't run the numbers on this, arguably in the last uh, few years, because their points per possession or their um, points per 100 mm-hmm. is in this 12 game stretch is somewhere in the neighborhood of like 93, 93. It is, is 94.7 right now, which is. Uh, the next best over the last 12 games are your fighting Oklahoma City tanker, who are at 105.5. So they're 11 points per 100 possessions better 
than the second best team in that stretch. The same, it's the same gap from second to 28th. Jesus. Like that's secretariat type stuff yep. defensively. So Bontemps, what happened? Why is it all of a sudden working? Well, like it's a couple that? things. For one thing, the first eight or nine games of this stretch, they generally played horrible teams and teams with most of their players out. That helped. So that helped a lot. However, the last three games, they played Denver, Atlanta, and Philly. Three good teams, generally healthy. Each, each had a guy or two out. But like last night, the Celtics had Marcus Smart left the game in the second quarter with an ankle injury. It looks like it could be not very good. We'll see how long he's out. He turned it pretty bad. He stepped on Joel Embiid's foot. And Robert Williams, who's, in my opinion, should be in consideration of most approved player this year. He's been fantastic for them. He didn't play because of a calf injury. So they were down. You know, two of their starters for most of the game, and they, they only like got like they only got like eight players. To yeah. Be honest with well, you, so here, so here, so some of it is the schedule until very recently was very soft. That's part of it, but their defense has been good all season and has gotten even better of late. Mm-hmm. That's one part. Second part is for these last three games, this trade for Derek White has a chance to be a transformational trade for the Celtics team because I wrote this big story back in November about where the team was at when they were struggling early in the year. And most of the story is about how the Celtics needed to surround Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown with the right kind of players for them to succeed. In short, those are players that make quick decisions, can play at both ends, and don't hold on to the ball. Derek White does all those things at a super high level. He is Greg exactly, Popovich school. The Greg Popovich that's right. school. That's Pass right. or shoot. Two seconds. Pass point, or shoot. Point, point five second decisions, right? Catch okay, the ball. Catch the ball and make a decision. Derek when White takes four times too long. <laughs> <laughs> Derek White, Derek White plays like that, and he has immediately come in. He's walked right into the closing lineup. Him and Marcus Smart in the backcourt, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum on the wings, Robert Williams at center. Those are five awesome defensive players. There's zero weak links there. You could switch across positions. They're all big and physical and fast. So that has been a huge thing. And the other thing is, frankly, they've just stopped playing bad players. Like the Celtics, the past couple of years have been playing a lot of bad players and they excise Dennis Schroeder. They excise Romeo Langford in these trades. And Ime Udoka is now playing basically seven and a half guys when his team's healthy. He's got his starting lineup, which has dominated all year. He just hasn't played it much without Horford and Robert Williams. And then Marcus Martin, the two stars on the wings. And now Derek White and Grant Williams, who's been fantastic off the bench. He's shooting 44% from three this year and is a really good defensive player. He's lost a bunch of weight. He's gotten a lot quicker. And then he's having Peyton Pritchard play a little bit, who's a pesky defender and is a good spot-up shooter and doesn't need the ball. So those eight guys know how to play. They fit together. And all of a sudden, like, I went into that game last night thinking that the, the a Celtics Sixers series would be pretty interesting because the Sixers don't have anybody to guard a good wing player, and the Celtics have two of them. And you come out of that game last night. Well, wait a no, wait Thibault can guard. Yeah. Thibault well, can guard. But here's the thing about Matisse Thibault. He's a really good defensive player. But Matisse Thibault is not a guy that you're going to put on a player and he's going to score five points. That's not what his... D- Daryl Morey's got him second in defensive player of the year voting right behind uh, yes, Joel Daryl, Yes, Daryl. <laughs> the best player on Daryl's team wins MVP every single year, whether they deserve to win it or not. Matisse is a really good defensive player, but his, his skills on defense are in help defense and in crashing passing lanes and in disrupting plays. They're not... He's not like... Tony Allen or Kawhi Leonard or one of right. these guys where you like put him on a wing guy and say, 
that guy's going to score five points, right? Like that's not his thing. And Danny Green is not that player anymore. And now they're starting Tyrese Maxey and James Harden together in the backcourt. That's going to be a problem defensively. So this Boston team, like when you get in the playoffs, right? What is the, what is the recipe for success? Have a really good defense and have guys that can go get their own shot. And even when the Celtics were playing badly, I thought they had a chance to be a better playoff team than a regular season team. Well, they had seven or eight good guys with a really good defense and two guys that can score. And now they're playing great and have that same formula. I would say the ability to get a basket in a half court offensive setting, which Tatum is literally built for. He just doesn't always. Him and Jalen don't always make great decisions, but they're capable of scoring 30 on just about anybody. And that's true. If If Tatum got hot at the right time, the way that this team defends, if Tatum got hot at the right time, I would say that they could beat anybody. They well, got and, a shot. And, and, and both Tatum and, you know, these guys have proven it. They've proved it at a very young age. This got is a, a ton of playoff that, experience. Yeah, went deep, you know, went to the Eastern Conference Finals when they were puppies. And, you know, you talked a lot, uh, Wendy, about Tatum's shot selection on the year, bomb temps about that, and, and, and his shot luck, you know, expected field goal percentage versus what it was. The dude's shooting 50% from the floor, 38% from three over the yep. last 12 games, yep. averaging about 28 a game. Yep. He's looking, I mean, he's looking like himself again. Well, for look, sure. like I thought that Tatum was going to be like contending for first team all NBA this year. And so that was my expectation. And if yeah. he continues to put up those numbers, that will be a first team all NBA like player. So yep. uh, my frustration with Tatum was because my expectations were so high. I, I think the world of his uh, makeup and skill set. So, and I do think we'll the one thing to watch with them, they're not a very good shooting team. When they hit shots, they're basically unbeatable, but they got a lot of streaky well, shooters. Jason Tatum is typically a very good shooter, but they got a lot of other guys that are very up and down shooting wise. Marcus Tate, Smart kind of epitomizes the yes. Celtics shooting and experience. Derek, and Derek White is similar in that. Like he he's a guy that you think is a better shooter than he is percentage wise. Um, but they, you know, if those guys are making shots, it totally changes where they're at because their defense is always going to be good. Tatum went through a two week span earlier this year where he didn't make a three. Whatever it was, you know, 30 some in a row. Yeah, I think so, he missed 20 in a row. Yep. Okay. All right. Um, so we'll see. I don't, I'm not ready to sit there and, 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 you know, move Milwaukee from my favorite ad or anything, but it, it, I think it, it's worth noting. And I really liked the Derek White trade. I know they gave up, you know, a couple of things in that, in that uh, trade that, you know, you may regret later, but I, I really like that trade. The Spurs just don't trade players. And especially players that are young, but they they wanted to clear out some spots, some space. And I will say that I, you know, I, I kept hearing like both Grant Williams and Robert Williams' name in some trade discussions ahead of the deadline. And I didn't get it because not only is Grant Williams a good defensive player who's been uh uh did I say Grant, well, they both are, but uh, not only is Robert Williams a good defensive player. He signed to a spectacular contract. They got yeah, him the Robert, really... the Robert Williams thing. The Robert Williams thing, I think, had zero merit to it. There was okay. the, I mean, Grant Williams's name, I, I think, came up in different discussions at times. Ultimately, the Celtics decided that they weren't going to move him, which yeah. I think was the right move, because I think yeah. he could develop into a P.J. Tucker type player. And that's a really good player. And also, it's a yeah. guy that tends to be underpaid. And when you've got a couple really expensive pieces on your roster, you got to fill in around them with guys that fit. Grant Williams fits, but yeah, Robert Williams to me, like I said it earlier, I think he legitimately should be 
and most approved player consideration this year. He's been unreal for the Celtics and his development has been a massive, massive game changer for them because he's got a chance to be a big time talent. And like you said, he's making $12 million a year for the next four years. Like that's a, a, it's got to potentially be a big time value contract for them. Yeah. And it's not like he's a nothing offensively. I mean, he's, you know, obviously limited, but he's limited in the same way that a, that a Clint Capella is. You know what the you difference know? is, though? He's an, an he's a really really good passer. Yeah. He might be the best passer on the team as a center. So and he, he gives and them some making, flexibility there that way. And he's going to be making ten million dollars less than Capella. <laughs> yeah, like he's better than as of today. I would rather have him in a vacuum, and he's making, like you said, a lot less money. So, um, see. all right. Uh, well, thank you uh, for uh, your latest uh, work on the Bontemps poll, Mister Bontemps. Thank you, McMahon. Um, we're going to Cleveland. McMahon, you're going to Cleveland. McMahon's <laughs> going on vacation home. in Cleveland. <laughs> Lucky for him. We're going to Cleveland. We'll see how it goes. Uh, All Star Weekend. We'll talk to you afterwards next week. Thanks for listening. Adios, amigos.